Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast, part of the Action Network and proudly presented by Bet365. I am Chad Milman, Chief Content Officer of the Action Network. Reminder, we are live on YouTube. We are live on AMP. The chat is open. Send us your questions. We got a huge show today. And by we, I do mean me. And my co-host, my BFF, my companion, my compadre, professional better, Simon Hunter. Hello, Simon. Aloha, Chad. Looking forward to talking Kentucky Derby, my man. We're going to get to the Derby. We're going to get to a little bit of uh, news that we created on the show on Tuesday. Uh, some draft news that uh, came off the show. Before we get to that, I want to ask you a question. What is the biggest parlay ticket, small amount of money, big payout you've ever cashed? I definitely had a couple of those. Like I was in Vegas. I won a bunch of money. I blacked out like partying with a bunch of buddies like most people do like in my early 20s and then would do like a $10, $15 parlay of all baseball games, a bunch of NBA games. I have one where it was like I bet 20 and I won like 4,000, which at the time was like I was living on ramen noodles. Like I needed that for four grand. So I'm so glad you said that was the ticket because Charlie Desturco, who's one of our fantastic producers at Action Network, who also hosts the Gambling and, and Rambling show, which you can see on YouTube with Tim Kalinowski. Charlie also is a great better, bets a lot of baseball, does a lot of college basketball. He did some great college basketball stuff for us uh, during March Madness. Yesterday, he did a... Uh, Three-player home run parlay with Javi Baez, Tommy Fan, Eric Haas. $15. Third inning. Three home runs by those players. Fly ball, deep right field. Marte turning, looking out of here. Three-run bomb, his first of the year for Eric Haas. And the curveball whacked down the left field line right toward the corner, and it's out of here. Tommy Pham with a line drive home run just inside the left field foul pole. 
That snaps that 0 for 17. His third home run of the year, and the Mets get one back immediately. Baez with a bolt. Back left field, forget about it. That's his first of the year. Got it back. Wow. $15. Three home runs by those players paid $3,400. Damn. Go follow Charlie in the Action Network app, Charlie Disturco. Also, listen to Charlie every week on Payoff Pitch, the MLB podcast from Action Network. The guy's walking around with just a glow today. I can't even believe he bothered to come in. I asked him what he was going to do with the money. He's like, I'm taking it out of the account, putting it in my bank. He did the right thing. He was smart. You got to pay taxes on that, Charlie. See, now I just screwed him, didn't I? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, guess what? Reminder. Reminder to everybody. The Favorites Podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, you guys have heard us talk about game time so often on the podcast. They're the fastest-growing ticketing app in the United States. I love game time. I use it all the time. You guys know I use it. I've mentioned specific examples of when I've used it. If you're looking to get out to a pro or college game this week or even a concert, game time has amazing last minute deals on tickets to all of these. I'm open in game time right now from our studio here in New York. I am blocks from MSG. I am a cab ride away from getting to Jersey. Tomorrow night, I can get in the city for eight bucks to the Devils on Sunday, 200 bucks, UFC at Prudential Center, 270. I mean, there's like legit good tickets for not crazy numbers in game time right now. No matter where you live, download the game time app, get out, have some fun this week. You deserve it. You can redeem code favorites for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, just download the app and enter code favorites for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, so listen. We're going to talk uh, Kentucky Derby uh, today with Mike Samich, uh, who has been an Action Network contributor. Uh, You can also find his work at racingdudes.com. Fun fact, his family is from St. Louis and Chicago, as is mine. Um, But before we do that, Simon, on Tuesday... We were talking about the draft. You talked about, we talked about the Atlanta Falcons and you casually mentioned, and I probably should have followed up more deeply, um, that the Falcons pursued and nearly acquired Kyler Murray and then Ryan Tannehill in separate trade attempts, but the deals fell through. This is of course blown up on social media after Connor Powers, another one of our great teammates on our social team also the huge Falcons fan. I'm not going to say a huge Falcons fan because he kind of is the fan. Um, He posted it. Give us more details on this. As comfortable as you are with talking about the sourcing, um, I do feel we owe it to listeners to dig a little bit deeper before we get to Mike and talking about the Derby, um, what we can reveal about this rumor to bring it some credibility. Yeah, I would say, first off, don't be so attached to your players. This is a business. Everything's business mindset. So 
people that think the Cardinals are loyal to Kyler Murray, you have a new GM and a new head coach, neither of which brought in Kyler Murray or gave him all that money. So right there, that's your basis point. I would say most people, especially in the industry, know that that's a short life right there. Kyler has done nothing to prove that he deserves to be their long-term plan. I mean, the guy had, what, one playoff start and he got blown out? It, it's it's one of those where I get why Arizona fans got a little upset, but it doesn't make sense why Falcons fans got upset. I, I don't know why they're all in on this kid Ritter. You don't have a starting quarterback on your roster right now, Falcons. So to me, if people are like, how how'd you get this info? Same way I got the B. John Robson info. You, there's leaks within the Falcons organization. So to me, I would say the most shocking part would be that people are so shocked by it where I think Vegas has kind of built this into the line. We've seen a lot of books now move Arizona's win total to four and a half. That's really low, Chad. You know how low that is. I think last year, the two teams. Last year was the half. Texans at four and a half. Exactly. So that's that's where the, the books are putting you with the Texans. So to me, Kyler, the only thing that's stopping it we talked about was the money. Now, I get the dead cap money thing. That's a worrisome to a lot of people. The team that had number one dead cap in all football last year, I think it was over 40 million, was the Falcons for Matt Ryan last year. So, you know, yes, that's a huge number. You go for the year before that, it was 35 million to the Eagles with Carson Wentz. Again, that's a big number. It doesn't really matter to these teams. These dead cap num- dead, dead cap numbers don't really matter. It's yeah, it sucks for a year, maybe two years, but that's it. Then you have your franchise quarterback or moving on. It doesn't really matter. So to me. My whole point of that was just to put a little bit of money on the Falcons. I think people don't understand the Falcons, their ownership, their GM, a lot of them are thinking we're in win-now mode. We have a weak division. We have really good offensive weapons. We think we could win this division. Why wouldn't they try to do that? This is a team that's been in the playoffs, what, twice in 10 years? They made it to a Super Bowl when they went 11-5. Then the following year, they got knocked out in the first round by the Eagles in the wild card. So, I think the fans are hungry and just like the front office and the ownership's hungry. I mean, Arthur Blank is what, Chad, in his 80s? It's an old man. So I get I get the the Falcons want to believe in that they have a starting quarterback on their roster. You don't. You have no one proven. I mean, Heineke is the backup. Yes, I'm sure you could come in and win a couple of games. That's nothing compared to what Kyler could do for that team or even Tannehill for that matter. I know Tannehill's old. He'll be 35 this upcoming season. I still think... You have Arthur Smith as your head coach who gave them their best season ever with Tannehill, right? Tannehill played out of this world with him when he played in Tennessee. That just made sense as a fit. Now, the whole wrinkle in this whole talk of this trade, this is all about C.J. Stroud. I think people don't understand. This was all about the C.J. Stroud. So as soon as he went to two, to Houston, that kind of threw a wrinkle into all these different trades that were on the table. So I, I get why people lost their minds about it. I mean, it's a slow news day, Chad, and, and people love talking football, but I was honestly shocked about how people just can't see it happening. Where To me, if it's middle of August and this trade does go through, I don't think people of the fans of the show or I will be shocked just because this has now been in works for multiple months. So time will tell, Chad. If we're sitting here next year and Kyler Murray is on the Falcons, I'm still going to take a victory lap just because that was the first one to really break it. So um time will tell i get it people are skeptical i don't say things just to say things there's no benefit to saying that so to me time will tell with this one and, and i do believe not, maybe not this year but i do believe Kyler murray will be off arizona by end of, before the beginning of next season here's what's interesting about the world we're in and i promise mike's holding on and i appreciate it but this is an <laughs> important topic 
Um, and this has come up a couple times on this show because both of us get access to information by virtue of being public facing and having people who are in the sports world uh, be interested in what we're doing. And that's that's a lot of times how it goes, right? Like people listen to the podcast, people see someone on television, someone else who was a fan who likes what they're doing, who works in sports, whether it's for a team or a league executive, they reach out, they're like, hey, people like to feel important and act like they're in the know or when they're in the know, like to share information, to feel good about what they're doing. Leaks are everywhere. And as sports betting becomes more a part of the conversation, there's going to be more and more leaks to people like us who are public facing for this kind of content. And, you know, it, it was a conversation, a huge conversation a few years ago for the Trey Lance and Mac Jones draft and what Schefter was putting out there and how people could be potentially using that information to their benefit. And I got to tell you, it's no difference than if anybody is tweeting out or sharing information about injury reports or anything else. Um, that information is active and people use that information. And the fact that there is a sports betting universe now that is covering this from a position of opportunity doesn't change the fact that that's always been the case. Yeah, it's it's I'm learning too. like as I get in the media, not to step on toes. Like I, I bad mouthed someone on Tuesday I shouldn't have. And I got reached out to about it from that NFL team. And it was just like, I kind of forget it. I always think, Chad, it's just me and you talking here without millions of people listening to the show. So that's something I am adjusting to and learning. But I will say this. There, there's I'm always going to be butting heads against people. I mean, that's just the way it is in this business. And I said it for weeks that I didn't believe Houston was taking a DN at number two pick. I kept saying I thought Houston was going to take a quarterback. I got beat up for weeks about it because everyone's mocking against that. So that's just my line of work, Chad. It's just like – if you if you're going to be the person saying things that people haven't heard, they're always going to go with the sheep, the herd, right? They're always going to go with the herd mentality of what everyone else is saying this. So, to me, that's the hardest part of my job is I literally will come on here and I shit on your team for six months, and then me and Chad are going to bet on your team for six months. Like that's kind of part of the deal. That's where the money is. <laughs> my favorite Peloton instructor, <laughs> Emma Lovewell, says, "You've got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable." Yeah, it's truth. You know what else she says that I like? <laughs> Progress, not perfection. Is that it? Love it. Attitude is altitude. I said that to my wife the other day. I swear to God, I thought she was going to punch me in the face. I'm with her. Matt Mitchell. He's like, how is this man married? It's rough. It's a rough go for her. The Kentucky Derby! The 149th renewal of the Kentucky Derby. The 149th Run for the Roses is happening this Saturday. My favorite term in betting, Whisper Wednesday, was yesterday. It's when everybody around the backstretch at the Derby and in the paddocks and all the trainers and all the betters start whispering about the horses who have been training well in the lead up and in the last couple of days, some odds might start to shift. Mike Samich, he's contributing to action. You can find him at racingdudes.com. Mike, how are you, buddy? Doing well, doing well here. We, we got through Whisper Wednesday, and, and just like every other rendition of this race, every single horse is training the best they ever have. You got to love it. 
All right. So explain to people a little bit more. Whisper Wednesday is a is a phrase that I love. It's a little bit of a derby tradition. Explain to people what it is and explain what we heard coming out of Whisper Wednesday. Take people inside, make them feel like they're getting something here. Yeah. So Wednesday before the Derby is generally the last day you're going to see workouts from your Derby participants. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. 18 of the 20 starters currently in the starting gate worked over the Churchill Downs track. And so when you have that large of a percentage of the horses working, you're going to start hearing things about who worked really well, who didn't, because this is the one of the few days they all work together at the same time. And when you talk about workouts and horse racing, it's essentially the horses running anywhere from four to six furlongs over the racetrack um, just to kind of get their legs under them to see how much they like the racetrack, how much they like the dirt, because each surface is going to be a little bit different depending on where you are. And so this year, the horse that I heard the most buzz about was a horse called Confidence Game, the four horse who has kind of turned into the wise guy horse here over the last uh, two weeks or so. Originally was on the board in a fixed odds market at 25 to 30 to one, was as low as 12 to one at one point uh, earlier over the weekend. So Confidence Game got quite a bit of buzz. And then the other horse that got a lot of buzz, actually a filly in the Kentucky Oaks, South Lawn, uh, apparently out galloped Forte, which is your favorite in the Kentucky Derby. And so everyone's talking about Southlawn right now, who's eight to one on the morning line for the Kentucky Oaks on Friday. Confidence game now down to 20 to one. Uh, Forte currently at three to one. Uh, Angel of Empire, eight to one. Um, for people who don't know, and like me and Matt Mitchell and Simon uh, were at the Breeders in Lexington in November. We had a freaking blast. I don't think we won any races of all the races we bet. I think there were Correct. at the Breeders that day, seven or eight races. I don't think we won a single race. Is that accurate, Matt Mitchell? That is that is correct. I mean, we had a great time. A beautiful Holy. and expensive day. Holy <laughs> fuck, it was gorgeous out. It was so fun to be at the track. Simon and I, at one point, we were like smack dab in the center we got to see a lot of people who listen to the favorites. It was super fun to to do it. Um, it's hard not to fall in love with horse racing when you are up close. Mike, before I get into some of the details and before Simon and I start, you know, grilling you, just explain a little bit of how you got into it so people get a sense of like, you know, your credibility so they don't come after you on Twitter the way they come after Simon. I'm sure they will anyway. Uh, I was born <laughs> into it, right? I, I mean, I, I went to the racetrack for the first time when I was three months old. Uh, so my dad grew up in upstate New York, right by about an hour outside of Saratoga Racetrack. And so he and his dad bonded over going to the races. And so when I was I was born in June, that August, my dad had me at the racetrack at Saratoga. And as I grew up, it kind of just got instilled in me. So I started, uh, he gave me 10 bucks when I was four years old, said you can bet one horse to show in each race for a dollar. And that was my first betting experience. Uh, kind of just kind of consistently happened throughout high school where he grew me up by playing games. That's what was what our relationship was. And that kind of turned into horse racing. And so here we are, you know, 35 years later, uh, still betting the ponies and, and fortunate enough to have some, some pretty good success on it. Uh, finished pretty highly in a couple of tournaments, the final table, the NHC last year, uh, finished third in the Keeneland grade one gamble this year. And it's uh, given me the opportunity to really cut my teeth in this business and talk about horses. I mean, I have so many questions. First of being, how cool is your dad? I mean, that is a cool dad right there, Chad. I'll tell you that much. I mean, I, as someone who's been to the racetracks a lot, I, I can't imagine taking a four-year-old there and then giving him 10 bucks and making bets with me. But times are different back then. Nowadays, I've spent way too much time, not at the horse track, at the dog track. I was one of those people 
Um, went to the dog track a lot. So I support it though. I love it. It's like the the perfect handbook how to become a sports better is starting the ponies. It's one of those either most people you start on the horses or you start playing poker. I feel like that's most people's steps into, you know, sports betting in general. How is um Mike, how is betting the Derby different than betting other races? Well, first off, betting the Derby is is just an interesting scenario because you have 20 horses in this field. There's not a single race in North America that you're going to have 20 horses in the field again all this year. So that immediately introduces variance, right? Because each of these horses is going to have to get a, a trip, essentially the best possible route from start to end. And with 20 horses, 19 others in your way, you're going to get more bumping than a normal race. The break matters more than a normal race, because if you don't break out of the gate well, you're going to get in trouble. And then the Kentucky Derby is a mile and a quarter. We haven't had any of these horses go a mile and a quarter yet in their career. So this is the first time you're going to see these horses going this long of a distance. It's the first time they're going to be in fields with 20 horses. It just sets up a lot of different variables, which you would think, I mean, like I said, offers variance. But the ironic part is we've had favorites fare very well since 2013, which is the installation of the points era, meaning that you can only qualify through specific preps for the Kentucky Derby versus any type of grade one stakes. It's kept sprinters out of the race. And allowed horses to be forwardly placed to have much more success. So eight of your last 10 Derby winners have been on or near the lead going into that that backstretch. Now, if you're like me and you're a casual better, like how do you bet if you're only betting one to two, three races a year? And how would you bet the Derby with that? Well, for me, it's it's all about your risk versus reward, right? If you're looking for a lottery ticket, the Kentucky Derby is the best race of the year to play. The Kentucky Derby Superfecta is a $1 bet. What was the winner last year? Tell the people. Who won last year? Rich, yeah, Rich well, Strike won the race last year. And what was, was he, 99 to 1? Uh, 86 to 1. And the Superfecta yeah. paid almost a million dollars for a buck. Woo. So you can, and, and the favorite ran <laughs> second. And the fourth choice ran third. So you just had to have that top horse. And then all of a sudden you fill it out and you can make a whole lot of money. 15 of the last 17 years, the Derby Superfecta has paid at least $9,500. Six of those 17 years, it's paid over $100,000. So it is a great lottery ticket to have because you have 20 horses. And because the base denomination is a dollar, meaning every single combination that you play, it costs one dollar to play that combination. You're not allowed to spread as much as if it's a 10 cent denomination, which is the general denomination in superfected betting and horse racing. So it forces you to shrink down the horses you use and creates massive payouts. So there's a great lottery ticket version of this if you want to go for the parlay-esque play, right? At the same time, it's one of the best win betting events as well. So if you want a less risky scenario and you want to say, okay, I want to bet a couple horses to win, it's a great opportunity to do that because you have a 20-horse field. Your favorite is going to be between three to one and seven to two. Your favorite's not going to be four to five where you're winning 80 cents on a dollar. So you're getting a better return from a favorite perspective. And this year is going to be really interesting just from a, a case study perspective as well, because Rich Strike won last year at such a big price. I would be surprised if you have anyone who's between who's over 60 to one this year on the board. Right. And if that's the case, that means there is going to be value on your favorite and on those horses that are somewhere in that, let's say, five to 15 to one range, because they're going to be ignored if all the money is pouring in on these long shots. So you almost are, are playing no vig if you're looking for a middle type price to win and you think these long shots are going to be over bet because of the rich strike factor. Matt Mitchell. I wish you guys could see this. Matt Mitchell taking his then 14-month-old son, Monty, to the Arlington International Racecourse in Chicago, outside Chicago, where the Bears are going to be building a new stadium in 2018. 14 months old, making a bet 
at Arlington. Way to go, Matt Mitchell. You're bringing up Action Network users in your very own home. Mike. (laughs) Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. You're talking about favorites. You're talking about the advantages of betting the Derby versus other races. So we got to dig in. Who are the favorites? Who are the contenders? Well, look at the top three here. So your, your favorite in the Kentucky Derby is going to be Forte, sitting in the three, 15 post at 3-1 to one right now on the morning line. Forte was your two-year-old champion, won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile last year, beat Cave Rock at, at Keeneland, has come back and won twice at Gulfstream Park so far this year, and really done nothing wrong in either of those races. A lot of people are knocking him specifically because of his Florida Derby effort, and there's there's something in horse racing called a buyer speed figure, which is generally the most looked-upon speed figure in racing, and he's regressed from his, his Keeneland number. So he got 100 at Keeneland. He ran a 98 in his first race back, regressed to a 95 in the Florida Derby, but if you look at that derby, he was in the four or five path on the first turn. He was in the This is the Florida Derby. He was in the four or five path on the first turn, four or five path on the second turn, got blocked until the final 16th of the mile of the race, and then had to explode there and get to the, get to the wire first. The number came back light because of how wide he had to run the entire race and how little time he had to accelerate down the lane. So a lot of people are knocking him for a race that I don't think was bad at all. So he's, he's your favorite right now, three to one on the board. If he floats up to seven to two or four to one, I, I may be placing a win bet on him because I do think four to one offers some value there. Your second choice is Tappet Trice, who's the five horse, also trained by Todd Pletcher. And this is an interesting case study because Tappet Trice has never broken well. He likes to essentially start two or three lengths behind the entire field. And when you're in the five post in the Derby and you don't break, you've got a world of problems because the outside horses come over to the rail like a wave. Everyone's trying to get position. And if Tappet Trice doesn't get some type of early position, he's going to end up in 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th under the wire for the first time and essentially out of the race if that happens. And so there's a, a ton of value in my mind in fading him at 5-2-1 because of his breaking issues. Your third favorite is Angel of Empire, 14 post, 8-1. to one. She, he's an interesting case here because he has won his last two races, won at Louisiana Downs when the pace absolutely collapsed, and then won, and then won the Arkansas Derby when everyone got a really good trip. And Angel of Empires improved every start here as a three-year-old, looked phenomenal at Arkansas, the biggest knock on Angel of Empire, going to be coming from mid to back of the field. And that's not generally a win style in the Kentucky Derby, especially when there's not a ton of pace. And this year's pace of the race 
I mean, who's going to be up front, how fast they're going to go is one of the murkiest we've seen in the last five or six years. Really? So what are you expecting in terms of pace? Well, it, it, the horses that have speed drew the inside, which should kind of force their hand. You should see the two verifying go early. You're going to see the four confidence game go early. The six Kings Barnes, the seven reincarnate all want to be up front. But none of them really want the lead. And that's where it's tough because in the past years, we've had horses who, hey, I've got to be in the lead if I'm going to run my best race. They then are forced to go 22 and change in the opening quarter, 46 and change for opening half. We don't have any of them. So it feels like a pace scenario where you're going to see verifying go from the two post. I think you're going to see Dermasotagate go from the 17 post because he's so far outside. But I don't think Dermasotagate wants the lead. So he's going to try and get to verifying's hip and then slow down. If that happens, everyone's going to slow down behind him. And all of a sudden, you're going to see a, a quick opening quarter, but a slow opening half because you want everyone, everyone's going to try and back up there because they don't want the lead. They just want to be forwardly placed and get position. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. But I would expect we're going to see somewhere around a 47-second opening half, which is rather slow for the Kentucky Derby. It's amazing to think about those kinds of numbers as slow. <laughs> um, you know, And I love. I also love listening to guys who really know horse racing. Because the language is so specific. And look, if you if 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 you're in the betting space, Simon, like you and I are, like Matt Mitchell is, like everyone who works at Action is, you listen to talk you like the the listen to people like Mike talk about uh the speed rating or pace or various other terms, and it just sounds like candy. I just, I fucking love it. I don't know anything about it and I love it. It's getting um, you hooked. It does. It totally does. Like it just, there's a different tone, a different rhythm to the language uh, that is just a joy to listen to. It's a little bit like poetry. Um, who are the losers? Who are you tossing out of your card? Well, for me, Tappet Trice is the biggest chuck. He's five to one. If I can get him out of the superfecta, that's huge because you're, you're chucking out the second favorite right out of the gate. Who's a Todd Pletcher trained horse. So I'm, I'm going to avoid using Tappet Trice. Practical move. The 10 horse uh, is coming out of Santa Anita, won the Santa Anita Derby last out. Has gotten a perfect trip in his two races as a three-year-old. Never had to leave the rail in either of them. The rail opened up for him in the Santa Anita Derby. So he was able to get the mile and a quarter. But two horses, Skinner and Mandarin Hero, were both bearing down on him later in that race. And his sire, so his dad, is a horse named Practical Joke. The, the, the joke in the horse racing world is friends don't let friends bet Practical Joke horses go in two turns. Well, now this horse has to go a mile and a quarter. After barely getting a mile and an eighth at Santa Anita, there's been a lot of buzz around them, 10 to 1 on the morning line, currently your fourth choice. That's another horse that I think you can exclude from your tickets to try and uh, try and build the value by chucking out a couple of the favorites. Contenders. Who, who are you betting for the contenders? So I... I respect Forte quite a bit, and I think there's the the hate for Forte has gone too far at this point, and that's why I mentioned. I blame the owner. I, <laughs> if he does float up, I think you got to play a little bit of, of Forte. I'm going to go with a little bit of a long shot on top, though. Give me the number eight horse, Mage, at fifteen to one on top. This is a bit of a stretch, but in this type of race, I want to take a shot. And to me, Mage has not broken well in the last two races and got absolutely atrocious, atrocious trips. So if you go back and you watch the Florida Derby, which Forte won, Mage breaks last of a field of 11, goes four wide into the first turn, makes a massive middle move down the backstretch, takes the lead after going five wide in the second turn, 
and Forte runs him down in the final 16th of a mile. So with all of that that went wrong, Forte was a length better than Mage. And yet Mage is 15 to 1 and Forte is 3 to 1. Now, Mage hasn't broken well the last two races. That's a problem. I realize that. We need to get around it. But in his first start, he went 22 and 2, 44 and 2 for the opening quarter and half mile. He's got early speed. He just needs to show that on Saturday. And if he does, and if he's sitting in that first five or six, I think he has a massive shot at winning the Derby at a pretty big price of 15 to 1. Uh, why do you say you blame the owner, Simon? Is there like an inside joke there? Uh, Forte is owned by Mike Rapoli. Um, is there something going on that we don't know? I saw an interview with him. It just seems like he's a, a complete nut job, Chad. So I'm hoping Rapoli? he does. Like, yeah, I saw like Rapoli, he's like, like uh, he seemed like a real character, which to me, he's that's a my total favorite thing character. in horse racing. Rapoli's like, oh, you don't know the story of Rapoli. He's like one of those classic self-made bet it all on himself billionaires like, <laughs> love it. i love this guy rapoli is one of my favorites very well known um, in the sport too uh, won the belmont with a philly last year has had a couple phenomenal horses done very well at saratoga so he's, he's well known inside horse racing yeah he's been around for a while this is probably is like his best shot to win a derby right oh i can't think of a better one i mean he, he's got the favorite and that's always a good thing yeah, I mean, uh, oh, Simon, we should get Rapoli on the podcast. He'd be a fun guest. He'd be amazing on this podcast. He'd be so much fun. Let's work on that, Matt Mitchell. Get it done. Um, all right. We've talked a little bit about Mage. Uh, we've talked about Forte. Uh, we talked about the losers. Um, Mage at about 15 to 1. Longish odds. Uh, what about Longer. Odds, uh, long shots. Well, if we, if you want to get a little crazy, I don't think these horses can win the race, but I do think you want to use them underneath if you're playing trifectas or superfectas, meaning put them in the second, third, and fourth spots in those bets to try and really balloon the payouts. Uh, we'll start with the one horse hit show, 30 to one on the morning line. Hit show is coming out of the Wood Memorial, which is the last qualifying race up in New York, up at Aqueduct. And in that race, there were 13 horses. Hit show drew the number 13, so broke all the way to the outside. One horse scratched, so broke out of the 12 post of 12 horses. Was five wide into the first turn. Had a horse literally bump his hind end, so you can see him spin out a little bit. Then in the second turn, is forced four wide. And down the lane, it's basically carnival bumper cars with him in the middle of two horses just banging off him the whole time. Still runs second, still improves and has tactical speed in this race. The one post is awful. It is the worst possible place that you could draw in the entire field. But it can hit the board still. And so at 30 to 1, I think Hit Show is a decent shot of hitting the board. The other big time price that I'm interested in is the seven horse at 50 to 1 reincarnate. I think has a shot to hang on for third or fourth here in this spot. We talked about the lack of pace. Reincarnate wants every bit of this mile and a quarter distance. So that's a horse that's going to be forwardly placed that has the ability to hold on and has the stamina to sit into that, let's say again, third or fourth spot at a monster number to really balloon those tries or supers. Now, this is a massive field. It's huge. I'm looking at all these horses. What, what did you say it was, 18? 18 horses in the field? There's 20 in the field and there's three also eligible. So if any of them scratch, you're going to see a, someone fill in for them. So there will be 20 breaking out of the gate this year. When is the last time there were 20 coming out of the gate at the Kentucky Derby? Last year. It's been uh, been consistent here where we've had 20 year over year. 
Two years ago, they actually switched the gate. So you have a single gate with all 20 horses. Prior to that, you had two separate gates, one, one through 14 and the other 15 through 20. So they tried to, you saw 14 and 15 get awful trips because they would just turn into each other and bang into each other right out of the gate. So they switched it up and have this one gate of 20 wide now to try and uh, make it a little more fair for those two horses. You talked about the Florida Derby and that's sort of known as, you know, a race in which you can start to track Derby contenders, but there's really nothing like the Kentucky Derby. So I have heard other racing experts talk about there's sort of a wall of sound that the horses have to run through when they come around the turn and they are in front of the grandstand down the stretch. And it's overwhelming if you are hearing that for the first time, which all of these horses are, how do you incorporate horses reacting to the circumstances into your handicapping? Well, the circumstances are, are massive here. So th there's a few things different about the Derby and different places that you can watch these horses to kind of try and decide if there's anyone that you want to throw out because of how they are acting. So first off, this is one of the few races where the Kentucky Derby or the horses that are running in the race are walked down the track and then back through the the, uh, the Churchill Downs stands, essentially, to go to the paddock and get saddled. So they have to meet that massive crowd walking down the track for the first time. The walkover is a great way to look at it. If you see any horses that are skittish, that are kind of jumping on their toes already, because we're still 30, 40 minutes out from the race here, they're using using energy, Right. Or if they're they're verbally talking, so you hear loud neighs, things like that. Those are horses that are a little jacked up and that are reacting to that crowd, and that's something you can look for. Uh, the second one would be in the paddock. Once they get into the paddock, this is going to be more people that are around them in that paddock than they have ever had in their life, and that's a precursor to what they're going to see when they walk back out and actually break out of the gate. So if you have horses that are bucking in the paddock, again being verbal in the paddock, it's called being studdish then that's another thing that I would look for and say, yeah, well, maybe we're using a little too much energy. We're not going to really see how they react. And so that to me is a, an, an issue there. We've consi consistently seen this a problem with your horses that have won the UAE Derby, because this is the, the most drastic difference. A lot of these US horses, they've run in front of big crowds, nothing like they'll see in Kentucky, but they've run in front of big crowds. The horses that come from international races have not seen nearly what they're going to see on the first Saturday in May. And so that would be one reason why you've never seen a UAE Derby winner come over and win the Kentucky Derby. And that's what Dermasotagate is going to try and do today or Saturday from the 17 post. Also never seen a Japanese horse win the race. Oh, by the way, the 17 post has never won the Derby either. So a bunch going against Dermasotagate on Saturday. I have one more question, Simon. I want you to, to jump in, but um, do you feel like there is a favored position that gives horses an advantage? And similarly, is there a position um, that gives them a disadvantage or puts them at a disadvantage? So I'll, I'll start out with a disadvantage. The one through four posts are atrocious. It's just, it, it's a nightmare for horses in those posts because you have 20 horses that all want to get to the rail. That's what they're taught every time they're training is get to the rail. That's their natural idea in their minds is to get over. And when you have 20 horses that are all crunching down, it can go really poorly for you. There's a horse called Known Agenda that was trained by Todd Pletcher two years ago, drew the one post, was five to one, broke out of the gate in the top three. By the time across the first finish line, because of how many horses came over to the rail, was in 17th. 
it is just so hard to get good trips from those inside posts. Ideally, you want to be sitting somewhere between the six and the 12 post. That's the being in the middle gives you the most options. And that's one of the keys here with the 20 horse field where it's really important where the jockey places the horse. If you're in the middle and you don't break well, you can decide where to go. You can use a little horse. You can get over. If you're on the inside and you don't break well, your race is over. If you're on the outside and you don't break well, your race is over. If you're in that middle group, you at least have options of what to do depending on the scenario that's placed in front of you. So you want to be somewhere in that 6 to 12 range. This is a little off beat, but just going off what you said about these horses not being used to the loud noises, do they train them for that? Like, do they have them race and just have speakers around the track and loud noises blaring so the horses can get adjusted to that? I know it sounds crazy, but I think they do that for a lot of people in a lot of sports. Like, I know football, if they're playing a away game, the whole practice, they just turn the music all the way up and make, the, make them scream their lungs out, right, to have everyone hear them. You do the same with horses. I mean, you're spending millions and millions of dollars on these horses. You'd think they would prep them as best they can before this big race. You would think you'd, you'd bring the noise, right? Because like you, you always yeah. hear about that in the NFL. Like, hey, we're, we're going to blast the speakers. We're going to make sure that the, the, everyone gets acclimated to the noise they're going to hear on Sunday. No, they don't do it in horse racing. Um, you'll you'll have <laughs> them run over the track. You'll have them be on the track with other horses. They'll do something called schooling in the paddock. Well, they're you know you've seen different Derby horses school this week at Churchill Downs when there are crowds and walk around the paddock so that there is some uh, some acclimation toward the, the surface and toward the, the what they're going to do on Saturday. But there is nothing like that where they're going to just jack up the noise mainly for the reason that they don't want to scare any of the horses. Right. And when you're you're out there and you're training, it's not just Derby and Oaks horses that are out there. It's also $10,000 maiden claimers, right? The lowest level of horse racing. So you've got this diverse group of horses on the racetrack. The last thing you want to do is blast music and scare one of them. And they start running off and, and cause an accident with another horse. So you don't ever get to fully replicate it. And then the last part of it is these horses have never run in a field of 20. If you've ever been to the Derby and heard 20 horses go by you, it is loud. It, you just hear that clapping of thunder with all these hooves. And, and famously, like Palace Malice ran in the Kentucky Derby, went to the lead, had heard everything behind him and just jetted, just took off. And there was no way to know he was going to react in that manner. But sometimes it happens at the Derby where you've got such a loud amount of sound right behind the leader that they just they're like i'm out of here i just want to go so you never really know how some of these horses are going to react especially this young three-year-old's not very old for a horse either i agree with that uh, i've learned in life sir. chad nothing makes you run faster than fear i don't know if you've ever <laughs> run from the cops but I, I i definitely ran under a four five forty when i was running from the cops but uh going back to the horse race and is there anyone else you like for the underneath card uh, on the undercard, I have a couple horses I like. So we talked about the Florida Derby. The Pat Day Mile is uh, race number eight on Saturday. I'm a big fan of Fort Bragg, who got a horrible break in that Florida Derby and then rushed up. I think he's going to be better at a mile than he was going two turns. So Fort Bragg, the seven horse in the eighth race on Saturday. Another one I like, uh, if you really want to watch it, the fourth race on Saturday, you're going to see Goodnight Olive, who won at the Breeders' Cup last year. I think she's going down on Saturday. There's a horse named Matt Terea, the five horse who's seven to two on the morning line. You're going to get a good price on her because you're fading Goodnight Olive. I think she's got a big shot second off the layoff to, to fire and to, to knock off Goodnight Olive. Uh, Simon, for the record, I have run from the Popo at the uh, great bottle rocket war on the Ravinia School playground of 1987. One person got nabbed, no Bushala. The rest of us scattered. You know what? He didn't rat us out. 
spent the entire night getting interrogated by the Highland Park police. And he was the right one to do it because he was the youngest of four. So he could hold out and his parents did not freak out when it was time to go get him. We were all cowering at his house waiting for his dad to go pick him up. Nobushala did not rat. And we ran like fucking crazy people to get away from the Highland Park police. Um, Mike Samich, that was amazing. I feel fully briefed for the Derby and I feel both uh, romantic and ready to make a profit. Um, I want everyone to check out MikeRacingDudes.com. You can check out his stuff on Action Network. Uh, really, really good stuff. Uh, reminder to everybody, we'll be uh, back talking NFL next week, going team by team with off-season updates. We'll probably have more news to break about dealings that are happening because this is where the action happens. We are the favorites podcast. We are proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code Action to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. I am Chad Millman. He is Simon Hunter. Producer extraordinaire is Matt Mitchell. Producer extra extraordinaire, Barbara Alberts on the YouTube Download us from Spotify, from Apple Podcasts. Watch us live on YouTube and on demand on YouTube. Wherever you get your podcasts these days, rate, review, subscribe, leave us five stars, say whatever you want. Feedback is a gift. Until next time, love you. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.